Welcome to BR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we are talking to Giuseppe Fantagrassi, who's the CEO of a company called Play to Speak. I love that name. Play to Speak offers a unique VR English learning program that uses AI and rich storytelling to advance users' English language skills. So he's here today to help us understand how all this works. Welcome to the show, Giuseppe. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Pleasure to be here. You know, I always start out with this question because I'm sure everyone, including the people that listen to this podcast, kind of want to know, how did you get interested and started in VR in the first place? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, you know, I was trying to think about that that specific question I was asking myself, like, well, when was it the moment in my life that I, I wanted to learn more about VR? And I think it goes back to a very old movie, uh, a Michael Michael Douglas movie, um, Disclosure, with Demi Moore. Mm. And he's in a moment where he has to go and steal a file, and he, I think he goes into a VR uh, world, and he goes in there, and he's trying to steal a file and not get seen. And I'm like, that is awesome. And by seeing that, I'm like, oh, can you imagine what we can do? Games and, and worlds and fun in, in a virtual world. And I've always had that in my mind when I was a kid growing up and so forth. So to come back to reality, um, recent times, we got interested in virtual reality because, um, well, Oculus came out with this awesome uh, you know, developer kit and we started seeing some real good advances since the 90s and it was pretty awesome and then we also saw uh, a company called zero latency at the time they only had one place and they they showed off that you can go play arcade gaming multiplayers in vr and that's the epitome of, of what everyone wants you know to be in vr and do things like war gaming or whatnot with friends so all of this got me thinking about virtual reality and how we could apply it to language learning. I have not even thought of the disclosure uh, scene. So that's so funny. Uh, Lawnmower Man was big for me, but now that you think of it, yeah, the disclosure scene, that's amazing. You know, I already said this at the top of the show, but Play to Speak is such a wonderful name for a company. And in my many years teaching, I've always believed that play, the word play, should be at the heart of any learning activity. It should be almost every school and teacher's best friend. So tell me more about you know the ethos of your company and why it's called Play to Speak. Sure. Uh, Craig, like play, you know, I took some courses on, on game design, uh, just how, how to how to make people learn through playing and through games. And play itself is so powerful because of what play does. Allows you to fail, allows you to learn, allows you to to reiterate this the steps quickly. And for us, uh, we came up with play to speak because, well, 
we were tired of learning languages, for instance, on the old traditional read a book, say, go through the hard steps when playing is so much more enriching. So we say if we would you have to play in our game to speak. And we just played around with those words and we're like, ah, play to speak, why not? And that's one plausible answer to where play to speak comes. There are other plausible answers that may or may not be suitable for this audience, but this is the one I'm going to stick with. Um, all I do know is that we do emphasize on play. Uh, that is where the our founders come from. We are um, ex-Microsoft developers. We've made games like uh, Fable series, Devil May Cry 5, and so forth. Um, so we really focus on play. And play to us is really important to learn. And bravo, because schools, you know, from my perspective, being an educator for many years, schools need play. And teachers, I think, are starting to kind of warm up, and parents, for that matter, to the idea that play isn't a bad word. And, you know, maybe there should be less testing and more learn through play. So bravo to you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely, Craig. I think play is, I think they know. I think the, stu- the teachers know that play is important. And play gets people focused, gets them uh, to follow rules that would be harder if, if they're not engaged, and to get them to show results because they're actually doing the steps that they're supposed to do. Beautiful. So shamefully, I, I'm not very, uh, I'm pretty limited when it comes to my language repertoire. I'm fluent in English. I know because <laughs> like you, I come from Canada, so I have a a little bit of French, but it's pretty rusty. So learning a new language for me personally, and probably lots of people out there is difficult. What are, in your opinion, you know, from the work that you've done developing this philosophy behind your company, what are some ideal conditions to make learning a language not only enjoyable, but also fairly effortless? Um. Sure. I, I don't think you can learn language effortly, effortlessly because it's it's hard. Phew. No, yeah, man. Thank, this thank is, goodness you said that. This is hard. This is really, really, really hard. I mean, uh, let alone the adult brain, I think, uh, finds it harder and harder because we're already hardwired programmed to learn things in a certain way. It just gets harder and harder for people to, to change their habits and... Um, learn new ways of speaking. But language learning is hard. It doesn't mean it can't be enjoyable and doesn't mean you can't do it. But um, we think, to answer your question, we think the best ways to make someone learn, well, they say the best ways to send a person to the country for five months, plop them there and say, good luck, have fun, you will be fluent later. And chances are they will because they got to survive. They got to figure out a way to get through. And then they start they know that they can't fall back to their original language because no one understands. So they have to learn. So that is called context. Um, if you can give abstract learning, so if you can give people uh, the grammar and the vocabulary and the um, the uh, the sentence structures and so forth, and you combine that with actual contextual learning, why am I learning this? I think that combination makes it uh, so much more impactful. I mean, if I know how to conjugate uh, all the verbs, great. But if I don't know how to order a pizza, 
but I can say it in the pluperfect text, great, that doesn't really help me because I'm not going to go out there and speak what I learned in my, in my books because it will never be like that. It will always be something different. And the context, if you don't know or you're not ready for it, you're going to be just caught. And it happened to me uh, in Spain, learning Spanish, go there, order something. The guy says something completely different. I'm like, wait a second, w what do I say here? And then you're stuck and you look like a fool because you don't know what to say because you didn't practice in context. Or add a dialect to that, like Catalonian or something, eh? Uh, yeah, Catalan is, uh, is uh, I don't understand it. It's, it's, another, it's another world. But it's, you know, it's, it's like everything. We have languages and we have dialects of those languages. My, my mother is Italian and uh, I try to understand her dialect. Forget about it. Uh, that's not going to happen. But that's how we grew up. So you probably bit your tongue when I tried to pronounce your last name. How did I do anyway at the start of the show? I will plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was it was fine. It's fine. It's it's fancy grossy, but it's it's there you go. it's not important. What's important? I've done. I've done worse. I've done worse. <laughs> so, so let's steer back to how VR might enhance the experience of language learning. I know you spoke a lot about it. its its context is king. So tell us how VR helps out with this. Well, Craig, you are a VR enthusiast. Absolutely, yes. And what do you like about VR? What do you like about when you play a game? I like the immersion. I like being in the environment where uh, I get lost because I forget that I'm, you know, in the real world. I, I, I think I'm in a new world. So those are, those are two big premises for me. Well, there you go. Um, the first thing I do is I say, I tell someone, okay, you put on the headset, great, you see our character, now turn around. And they, they turn around and they see a window. And you can see outside the window and you can see the grass blowing and you see like a, a wreckage ship. And all of a sudden they forgot that, no, uh, that there's no chair behind them. There's no wall. It's actually the game. And they, they, they're immersed. So you said it right there. It's the immersion that brings uh, that VR brings to the experience. Once you are immersed in another world, you forget where you are. And the biggest problem we're finding is that those who suffer from anxiety, those who suffer from speaking, um, it is because in some weird way they don't want to be judged. That's mm. that manifests into many ways: anxiety, embarrassment. Uh, culture of failure, fear of failure, sorry, um, all this. So we remove the fact that you're being judged, that you're being listened to, that someone is actually going to talk to you. In fact, it's a robot and he talks to you and you just overcome this because you know that you're in a safe zone. And that's what the VR brings. I want to unpack, you know, you called it a robot, but I've, I've tried your experience several times and was incredibly impressed. So one thing, you know, just for the listeners that Play to Speak offers is this very unique English learning experience. It has artificial intelligence to engage the user in the English conversation. And so Giuseppe, tell us more about that, because again, I've, like you said, I'm an uh, a definite enthusiast in VR. And, you know, this is my 44th episode. 
and I haven't seen anyone but you guys use AI or artificial intelligence to the, de the degree that you do for language learning. Okay. Um, How does it so, work? Yeah. So it works. Like I said, we're all about context. So what we try to do is we try to get the user to talk about a contextual situation with our avatar. It's not an avatar, it's a character, okay? And he talks. But he or she says something, and our system tries to understand what was the intention of what they're trying to say. And, the and depending on the intention, we drive the conversation through the storyline so that um, the person is always talking about the contextual part of the of the of the story, and not just try to solve this question. No, it's like, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling well. So you're saying you're well, and we classify that as well or feeling good or whatever the the title is, and then that triggers off other conversations. Now, if you say something that, well, not that great today. Okay, so it's unwell. So it won't be the same answer. It will be something else. And then we will either continue or not, depending on what we what the purpose of that conversation. And that, that's how we play with the conversation, is that we try to try to understand what you're going to say. It's really hard because it, it's language. It could be open-ended conversations. You could say anything. You could say blueberry pancakes. I have to understand why did you say that and what it meant at that time. Does that, does that yeah. make any sense? Oh, it's crystal clear. Um, but to help the listeners understand this a bit, a bit more, I think many of us have had the frustrating experience of going on a website and seeing a little chatbot window and the chatbot you know, we think it's a person and we can type in a question and they try and answer it. But the chatbot is so limited in what information it spits back at you. And this is nothing like that. You know, like I said, when I tried it, I was so impressed. I, I had a conversation, you know, and it, it led me. One of the questions that the AI character asked me was where I lived. I told him I live in Calgary, Canada, and it I, I was just aghast because it spit back at me information about Calgary, which was so poignant and accurate on how I envisioned, you know, and they said, well, gee, it's very cold there. And I was so impressed at, again, the level of complexity that you've coded the AI. It, it's really smart. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the, the compliments. It's, it's, I mean, it's still at its infancy, okay? Uh, yeah, we will, we will, the, the objective was that we're trying to predict what the person would say. Now, in your case, it asked you where you come from. And we have a repertoire of places, and then we have answers to that. So if we can understand that you're saying that place, then we'll have an answer for you. And the answer has to make sense. So it's not just uh, simple answers. It's answers that are related to that context. And if you go back to chatbots, I think believe that the original, we were analyzing chatbots. We're like, okay, 
we don't want to be a chatbot directly. What do they do? They just keep asking you more questions so that they can go down the decision tree and come to the answer. How are you feeling today? I'm fine. Is that a good thing? You know, like, uh, do you have any pain today? If it's a, the medical ones, uh, yeah, where? Yeah, and it just keeps on pushing you down till it comes to an answer. But we don't want that in conversation because it's not always a question answer. Sometimes it's open question. Sometimes it's reflection. Sometimes our character will talk about uh, what they've experienced. You know, like, um, have you been to China before? No. Oh, I wish I've been to China. I wish I went to China. You know, uh, if I've been once or twice, I'd be happy. You know, we try to add elements of human behavior that would make sense at that time of that answer. And that's how, how it long, makes the AI human. How long, Giuseppe, do you try and limit the conversation before it moves on to the next level or a different scene, et sure. cetera? So, Craig, we, we tested first with a demonstration. A demonstration was like 20 minutes, like 10 minutes in one scene. And then we made a boat scene. So you're on a rowing boat and you're talking to him and it starts raining and, and then a pirate ship appears. And it was fun. It was it was our first version, and we thought this was really cool. And then enters the real world, and they say, no, um, it's not cool because, yes, it's beautiful, but after a couple of minutes, I'm bored out of my mind just talking. Talking games get boring quite quickly, mm. and students don't have all that time. So I'm like, oof, all right, fine. So what we did was we reduced it down to about four to six minutes. That was what we found out was a sweet point. And... We divided an A2 topic to 13 topics. So A2 proficiency, we have about one hour of content right now. We could have more and we'll probably have more. But for one scene, we said one hour is good. And that's divided into 13 topics. So you talk for about five minutes and then you go to the next topic, which is another subsection of the theme. So our theme is recruitment. We want to hire a junior tour guide to help uh, Finn with his uh, his little tour business. So we said something completely different, you know, that doesn't really happen often. And we throw in some fantasy inside, like there is a bit about supernatural and and some treasure and stuff like that. But a lot of the conversation is real. So, you know, talk about your family. Tell me about uh, your job, uh, your experiences, stuff like that. And it's all related to the level. Mm. I know uh, while we're talking about, you know, the theme and the context, uh, I just want users or listeners, sorry, to know that, you know, your newest uh, release, it's called the Puffin Cove. Are all the different episodes uh, related to the pirate theme or do they vary within the umbrella of the Puffin Cove? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um so we started off with the secret of Puffin Cove, and we had a we had a storyline where we would go through parts of this world that we created: boat, lighthouse, uh, Morin Bay, so a, a, a beach, etc. Uh, when we pivoted, we kept the theme, the secret of Puffin Cove, and instead we call it the secret of Puffin Cove uh, encounters. So we're going to encounter characters in this world along. Uh, maybe it wasn't the original path, but it'll be along the world, uh, along the the storyline. So uh, we're, we're developing the next one. It might be on a boat. We still haven't decided yet. However, it's 
encounters. So we're going to have conversations about different parts in the world. It might be even a bakery, for instance, or something like that, or, or a shop, or a person on the beach. But whatever it is, it's contextual. What would the person be talking here? What would they need to learn here? And yeah, not only that, but I, and I'm going to, this is worth repeating. It's not only contextual, but like I said, I was just so impressed with the AI and the, you know, the first two scenes that I did, how, how great they were at engaging me. And it, I wasn't frustrated at all. You know, the error rate was really low in regards to them sort of getting stuck in some sort of loop in our conversation that they couldn't get out of, which is so impressive. Do you have stats on error rate and whether you've sort of calculated whether the AI maybe uh, misunderstood and said something incorrectly? How many times does that happen? Well, it does happen. I mean, we're still at, we're still at the infancy of this all. Um, English is really difficult. I mean, we're all about figurative talking. How do you feel today? Well, I'm good, kind of. What does that mean? Does that mean positive, negative? Are you kind of good? Should I should I have a kind of answer? What are you What are you implying? What do you refer to? So, because it's figurative, there'll be some sentences, or there'll be some phrasal verbs, or there'll be some kind of something that will just. I know what the person was trying to say, but the system didn't understand that. The confidence level was not high enough for them to to go in one direction, so they thought it was maybe feeling this or that, and that's where we have to jump in and, and correct it. And with time, we're going to get it so that it corrects itself. But again, we're still early phase. We're not there yet. You know, we we have a lot of ambition with this game, and and we would love to go and do a lot of crazy things that could keep the people engaged and just practice. And you got to remember, Craig, error rates or not, the purpose is not to give a person like yourself or myself a chance to practice. We will get bored. The purpose is to give the A two in this case B one B two people, the players, a chance to practice. And that's where they're, you know, they don't know that much vocabulary. They're, they're limited yeah. in what they know. They feel uh, insecure at times to talk or they, they, they don't know how to say things. So for them, this game is a perfect way to just practice and, and make errors. And what you, you didn't say before, and um, I want to bring up, is that we also have a speech recognition part. So let's say you want to say, I'm feeling well, thank you, but it doesn't come out right because you have, let's say, an accent or you, you just can't say the words extremely well. Our system picks up what you said and you read it on text. So if you didn't say it properly or the system didn't understand you, you could start correcting your speech because you know that the system didn't pick up and you, you have to fix those words. Mm. So it's, a, it's another impact. Such a good point that I actually didn't even, and I should have, I didn't think about is you're right. I went in there to play your game, but I, I'm a fluent English speaker and it didn't even dawn on me because it was so fun, right? And so there's no way someone, well, it would be very unusual for someone with such fluency as I do to go into that game. So that's an amazing point that I just didn't even think about. So thanks for bringing that up. 
How about multiplayer? Have you thought yet of how you might roll this out as some sort of multiplayer version? Yeah, we're we're not there yet. Um, we would love to, but again, the original purpose of the game is to remove anxiety and stress points so that the person can start opening up to speak. They gain confidence and they talk. Then the teachers can do what they do best and get them to learn more. If I start putting multiplayers right now, uh, you're talking to humans. And that yeah. could start putting frame, that could put in breaks right away where it's, we didn't want that. Let alone the technology is not there for us to do it at the moment. But even if it was, would I? Probably not because it would defeat the purpose of six people talking to each other when they're all embarrassed to talk to each other. Yes. And I have a great story uh, related to, you know, you sticking to this goal of, you know, one on, I guess I'll say one on one. I'm hesitant to say one on one because it's, uh, it's an AI or as you alluded to a robot. So one on something conversation where no one else is judging you is so important. My friend who uh, is Mormon went on a Mormon missionary. And so he was plopped into, um, I think it was Croatia. And he, he learned the language so quickly because when he went door to door, he had the exact or almost the exact same conversation with people multiple times in a day. So, you know, repetition, you know, was he a bit, um, uh, self-conscious? Absolutely. But that went away so quickly because he was able to repeat what he was saying over and over again to people, you know, uh, and that repetition led him to be so uh, quick at picking up the language. Absolutely. Uh, repetition. I was an English instructor at a certain point in my life, and I was following a model that they would, they would focus on memorization. Um, they believe that if you say a word 36 times or something like that, uh, it will go from short-term memory to long-term memory. And once it's in a long-term memory, you remembered it. So, so you start associating that word with images in your mind or other words, and then you start growing your vocabulary. Now, that's great. I mean, yes, you need repetition so you remember the new words or you remember why you learned them. Again, though, if you don't know what to say in that situation, it doesn't matter how many words you know. If you don't know that the person's asking you this or you're you're expected to say that, it won't matter. So you need both. This gentleman, like you said in Croatia, knew that he had to sell, right? Door to door. So yep. he understood what the what the objective was and what the context was. So he's just finding new words to get to that objective. And then he would use he would swap them out because he was ready yes. for it. Yes, well said. Um, you've alluded to a couple things. One, to continue to hone and improve the accuracy of the AI, which, again, I've said before, in my humble opinion, is already pretty darn good. What are some other things that Play to Speak are working on as you enter quarter three and quarter four of this year? Sure. Um, okay, so... Of the press, we are developing um, new levels, so uh, new proficiency levels, so B1 and B2, 
we'll have some uh, we'll have the same story but it'll be now geared to b1 and b2 topics so that means vocabulary um <clears throat> the grammar and the senses will be will be modified in addition to that we're also working on um, a french version so we'll have french uh completely new because we need to create the ai from scratch but we have one that's working and now we just got to get it better and better so hopefully by the end of the year we should have maybe in a month we should have uh, french a2 and then in the year to come if everything starts going positively for us we'll be looking to to add spanish and mandarin to our uh, to our repertoire fantastic you know you said if everything goes well from what i've seen of your product and just talking to you in the past i i, I have no sort of worries for you i i believe that uh, things will go swimmingly especially with uh, this recent uptick in VR, and then I don't know uh, if it runs. Does it run on the Oculus yet? Or are you working on an Oculus version, or is it mostly for the uh, wired VR? Well, no. So wired is like something we're trying to get away from. Yeah. We have it operational on the Oculus Quest. We have an SDK for that. If we, uh, like it, we we have it ready for that, but uh, we found that the quality was was less it wasn't as nice as we thought and um it's just complicated to be working with the the oculus uh, facebook headset at the mm -hmm. moment so mm -hmm. we decided to go on to the pico pico g2 and the Pico g2 which is a not it's not very expensive it's it's even lesser than uh well forget about quest 2 and all that it's lesser than uh, the quest 1 uh, about 300 euros plus or minus and uh it's extremely nice like it looks very well runs well and it's very easy to use as a b2b so it's easy for for companies to upload more content and schools to use it so we're definitely on the standalones and that's where we want to stay and what uh, we probably will do one for the uh, the Oculus Quest 2 because we already have it for the Oculus Quest 1. One thing I want to let you guys know is that with the uh, the Pico, we're trying to uh, we're bundling our product with other content. So it's not just language learning. If for instance you want to have education like STEM classes or whatnot, um, we have partners who could sell classes to your students as well and put it all in the same headset so now the headset would have languages you would have class learning and education modules mm, that sure would take the head out headache out of you know many educators that i talk to who are relatively new are exactly what you alluded to they're like craig where do i find content so to have it bundled on the headset like that would sure take the messiness out of it there so absolutely craig like just Anyone who's interested, who's listening to this and is interested in having language learning and um, other classroom uh, content, just hook me up. We will be happy to show you what we can put on the pricing. And um, I'm pretty sure that we service around the world. So these partners are already global and including China as well. So th this, is, this is really good. And um, the last thing I want to mention is that also those who 
they're, they're still unsure about headsets. We have a promotion. If, if you get five, um, if you get five licenses with us, we will throw in a headset for free. So we'll throw in a Pico G2. Wow. Headset. Now, so, yeah, go ahead, please. I was just going to, I was going to say, how, how do people who are either just generally interested in uh, the product itself or wanting to get it into their language learning program, wherever that may be, how would they get a hold of you? They can go on our website. Um, on our website, you can even download the um, the Pico uh, APK. So the, the Pico, uh, we have a demo version of the first topic. You can download that and try it. You can contact us. I can leave you my uh, my email, giuseppe.fantagrossi at playtospeak.com. And you can just you can just contact me on all the social medias if you're interested. Go on our website and you can apply through a form there. There's many ways to get a hold of me. I mean, if you are interested, we'll find a way to get it to you and to make sure that it's it's appropriate for your needs. Excellent. And I'll put that into the show notes that I usually add to the uh, to where I put it on Podbean. Listen, it's been fantastic talking to you, Giuseppe. I know you've had a really busy day and I appreciate you taking time out to talk to the listeners and uh, uh, promote your amazing product. So I appreciate it. No problem, Craig. It was my pleasure. Um, we're B2B. We were B2C once. Uh, we're going to go back to B2C, but I think in a year time when mm-hmm. Facebook has done its damage and everyone has a headset and then we'll, we'll change the model and, and then just the, the average person can go and get our, get our product and download it and play it at home. But until then, uh, we are a B2B firm where we sell uh, yearly licenses. So if an, if an individual wants to try our product, they can, but it's not, the same as you won't just get it for like a month and that's it it's it goes with the b2b territory so we are a yearly license product fantastic listen if you hold on uh, after i sort of stop the recording we can uh, do a quick debrief but thanks again just happy for coming on the show my pleasure thank you craig bye for now <laughs>